want to start out first of all with the uh, with a noting, okay, the lamentations. Each one of them is re is in reality a song. I couldn't play it tonight, but I was I, my son has sent me a a, uh, a link to uh, uh, a man, a cantor, saying we're reading through or singing through Lamentations. And uh, it's, it's interesting. I don't know, I had to work clue what he said except for the first word. <laughs> That's because I, it's, the, it's what they call the Lamentations in Hebrew. It's from the word how. And that's all I could understand. But it was very moving, very interesting to hear how it would, how it would have been sung. But more importantly, I'm going to be doing this evening, uh, and I won't be singing because I don't have a voice anymore. Uh, but it, like all of poetry, really, uh, they're just songs that uh, don't have music. Sometimes they do. A lot of our a lot of our hymns started out that way. A poem that someone came back later or, uh, and wrote uh, music to. Uh, so, first of all, it's meant to be heard. How many people learn songs or know songs without it, by picking up a book of uh, songs and just reading it? You learn songs, you know songs by hearing it. And so I think it's important to hear what we're what is being said here or, or was written, and it was written to be sung. Uh, and so I can't sing very well, but we're going to read it. And I was hoping I have someone to sing the ladies' part of this. If you like, but uh, you'll have to pardon me as I try to switch voices a little bit. Uh, so you can recognize when uh, when the, the person speaking changes. There are two voices in this song, uh, in this lament. The first one, yes, sir. And you were just watching um, Bible Project on YouTube about limitations. Oh, yeah. And they were saying chapter one is uh, an analogy of a, a woman, like a, almost a widow, who is grieving for a And that's yeah. that's that's that. That's the second voice, yeah. and that's the city of Jerusalem singing for, or mourning for, uh, bereaving the loss of her children. Uh, and it's important to recognize that. You have, you have two voices. The first one's a narrator just sort of painting the picture so you know what you're seeing. The second one, is, uh, which picks up at the around the 10th or 12th verse, if I'm not mistaken, is when you see the second voice coming in, and that voice is the is the cry of the mother. So we'll start with that. First lamentation. How deserted lies the city, once so full of people. How like a widow she is, who once was great among the nations. She who was queen among the provinces has now become a slave. Bitterly she weeps at night. Tears are on her cheeks. Among all her lovers there is no one to 
comfort her. All her friends have betrayed her. They have become her enemies. After affliction and harsh labor, Judah has gone into exile. She dwells among the nations. She finds no resting place. All who pursue her have overtaken her in the midst of her distress. The roads to Zion mourn, for no one comes to her appointed festivals. All her gateways are desolate, her priests groan, her young women grieve, and she is in bitter anguish. Her foes have become her masters, her enemies are at ease. The Lord has brought her grief because of her many sins. Her children have gone into exile, captive before the foe. All the splendor has departed from daughter Zion. Her princes are like deer that find no pasture. In weakness they have fled before the pursuer. In the days of her affliction and wandering, Jerusalem remembers all the treasures that were hers in days of old. When her people fell into the enemy hands, there was no one to help her. Her enemies looked at her and laughed at her destruction. Jerusalem has sinned greatly and so has become unclean. All who honored her despise her, for they have seen her naked. She herself groans and turns away. Her filthiness clung to her skirts. She did not consider her future. Her fall was astounding. There was none to comfort her. Look, Lord, on my affliction, for the enemy has triumphed. The enemy laid hands on all her treasures. She saw pagan nations enter her sanctuary, those you had forbidden to enter your assembly. All her people groan as they search for bread. They barter their treasures, treasures for food to keep themselves alive. Look, Lord, and consider, for I am despised. Is it nothing to you, all you who pass by? Look around and see. Is any suffering like my suffering that was inflicted on me? That the Lord brought on me in the day of his fierce anger? From on high he sent fire, sent it down into my bones. He spread a net for my feet and turned me back. He made me desolate, faint all the day long. My sins have been bound into a yoke by his hands. They were woven together. They have been hung around my neck, and the Lord has sapped my strength. He has given me into the hands of those I cannot withstand. The Lord has rejected all the warriors in my midst. He has summoned an army against me to to crush my young men. In his winepress, the Lord has trampled virgin daughter Judah. This is why I weep and my eyes overflow with tears. No one is near to comfort me. 
No one can restore my spirit. My children are destitute because the enemy has prevailed. Zion stretches out her hand, but there is no one to comfort her. The Lord has decreed for Jacob that his neighbors become his foes. Jerusalem has become an unclean thing among them. The Lord is righteous, yet I rebelled against his command. Listen, all you people, look on my suffering. My young men and young women have gone into exile. I called my allies, but they betrayed me. My priests and my elders perished in the city while they searched for food to keep themselves alive. See, Lord, how distressed I am. I am in torment within, and in my heart I am disturbed, for I have become, uh, before, before I have been most rebellious. Outside the sword bereaves, inside there is only death. People have heard my groaning, but there is no one to comfort me. All my enemies have heard my distress. They rejoice at what you have done. May you bring the day you have announced so that maybe they may become like me. Let all their wickedness come before you. Deal with them as you have dealt with me because all of all my sins. My groans are many, and my heart is faint. As I mentioned, uh, there are two voices. I hope I was able to get at least some feeling for two voices, but my, my voice isn't as good as it used to be. Um, who are they? Who are the two voices? The woman was Jerusalem. The widow, you might say. It's called that in the first in the uh, first verse, how like a widow she is. And she's grieving. What was the other one? What's the other voice? Is it any particular person or thing? Or is it just a person? And I would okay. I look at it as the voice of someone painting a picture. Because as I read this, I see a picture. I see the desolation before me. So I love you can just say that when it brings in a woman and uses her as the congregation of the city. You feel the groaning and the hurt and the sadness of the city and what happened. I think that's a, a powerful way. And I think the, the writer of this does an excellent job of that. I mean, he has he really starts off with a narrator to present a picture to you. And then the city steps forward and mourns. What's the state of the city during this during this lament? 
been ransacked. What's that? It's been ransacked. It's been ransacked. That's a word I hadn't thought about, but it, it, it is exactly what it, what happened. Raised. Raised. It has been raised. Number six is what word. Yeah, I, I was raised always. Every time I hear it, I think it, it, it can't mean tear it down to the ground. But yeah, raised. How many people were in the city? He begins it with how deserted is the city? How was it before the siege? Before the fact, but especially before the siege. What would you imagine it would look like? Bustling? Busyness all around? I think it was Ukraine. That's my question. The first time I read this, I saw Ukraine. I saw Mariupol. Or is it Mariupol? I just saw utter destruction. And I see people just covered in ashes, the ashes of that destruction, as opposed to wearing sackcloth and ashes, which they should have done. Largely deserted. Pete, you have something? They serve God. They were Zions. But they deserted. They're no longer worshiping, I don't believe. They turned their back on God. And God put up with it for 500 years. And then, as we see in Jeremiah, he says, enough's enough. Even when Jeremiah argued with him and he said, well, you know, like he did for Abraham, you know, if I find, you know, ten, ten men who, then I'll save them. But he said, you're not going to find them. The city's deserted. There's a few people left, not many. Um, how does Jerusalem feel? And this is back in that first, first few opening lines. What's her overall feeling about the people around her? Her friends? They're deserted too. They deserted. They deserted. I had all these friends around me and they deserted me. Lonely? Okay. Same sort of feeling. Uh, to me, there's a haunting A thousands of souls that are not there. And I think I read somewhere that the people that were left were the people that weren't worth taking. That's right. They were the ones that weren't worth the effort for the most part. Every now and then, somebody was able to hide and get away. Um, Jeremiah and a few others were released. Uh, which was interesting, they were released because Jeremiah was the one prophesying against the city. Abandoned by her friend. Uh, there's no one to comfort her. How would you feel? To that is there's, 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 there's a time 
recognition of skills. This is this is my fault. It's my your translation says unfaithfulness and the recognition. Not only this is terrible all that we're going through, and it's our own doing that God is doing to us because of what we did.
just know what Ford is. You're just sifting more and more and getting down to where they're just making worthwhile with sweat. Um, what else do we see about the state of the city? How about the festivals? I mentioned it. We had, they had, uh, and I, my brain is, is bogged up on it. I'm thinking it was four mandatory festivals. That Easter one uh, in Israel had to go to Jerusalem to attend. One of the reasons when Israel broke away that they set up a new place. No more festivals. Uh, no celebration. We, we find even the roads are mourning. The roads to Zion mourn. Where before heading up to these festivals, there'd be trains of people, I expect just joyful, coming up to, to Jerusalem. Uh, I, I think of the uh, uh, of Jesus and his family as they went to Jerusalem and it was so busy and they were having so much fun with the with the cousins and the uncles and the fathers and the mothers that they didn't notice he wasn't there all that's gone we do know that at least for a while people came up to Jerusalem just sort of to try to, to uh, see and try to, to uh, uh, what's the word I want, uh, try, try, to, uh, try to see and feel that maybe it's still alive. But it's not. It's been, it's been uh, destroyed. The roads are, are empty now. The uh, gateways are desolate. And the young and the young women are grieving, and she is in bitter anguish. You know, said, um, her filthiness clung to her skirts. She did not consider her future. Her fall was astounding. I can't help but think about America. I mean, we've, we've got to the point that we don't know males and females. I know, I haven't figured that one out, but, uh, but I'm old-fashioned. Um, and yeah, America, the whole world, I mean, we're just a mirror of what's going on around us. And like them, we are just turning our back on God. And uh, what I think is uh, sort of jumping ahead a little bit, but you mentioned that uh, Jerusalem being laid naked with filth clinging to her skirts. Uh, the filth that they speak of is menstrual flow. Just didn't bother clean up. Why bother? I, I look out at it and, I, and what I see is just Total hopelessness. Total hopelessness. God doesn't do it halfway. God unleashed his wrath on Jerusalem. 
Her rulers are gone. Right? So who's who's running the show? I don't even know if the uh, if it's this time, if the Babylonians are really running the show or they just might have a small garrison there. There's nothing there to, to worry about. They leveled it. Crazy. But this is Or 
I don't think there were enough people left that it would be on the mind. I think the city is grieving the city, not not the people of the city. I think it's the city itself grieving that everything I was has been destroyed. My families are all gone. My buildings are all gone. Everything that was, the splendor that I had, is all gone. My God is all gone. The temple. The temple. Beautiful temple. Temple is now rubble. Not a stone on a stone, and anything that was flammable has been burned. So, so no, I, I think that, that, that the voice is the truth, is Jerusalem. And what is the city if you don't have any people? Why? We've hit it on it a couple of times, but she, she, she Jerusalem, tells you why all this has happened. I find it interesting, there's a lot of confession of guilt. Um, I don't see a whole lot of repentance unless it's the, unless it's the pain and suffering because of that guilt that they have from being sinful. Yes, sin. I don't know. I, I think I disagree with that. I, I was actually thinking that it's interesting that the whole point of the is um, rehabilitation, right? Um, and I don't see, as I read through this and, and try to hear what the, the person or the people are saying, I don't hear, oh, woe is me, uh, it's the end of the world, God has done all this thing, yes, there is that. There seems to be a hint of, oh, and I deserve this. Uh, part of what points to that is when it talks about the shame of uh, the the lady that has been, you know, laid naked. Right. I, I mean, I, I this is incredibly disgusting to me. But I, I you know, I picture I, a young, innocent woman who's been taken away. And um, you know, left starving and for dead and abused and barely covered in clothing, and just thinking of that young lady must in in that kind of imagery, I I see. Um, There, there is a, and to remember that, when uh, you get turned to that section, uh, he's talking of Jerusalem at that time, and the, and Jerusalem has sinned greatly and has become unclean. All who honor her despise her, for they have seen her naked. Seen her naked and she groans and turns away. Yes, there is. You, know, you can see that and you'll see it more when you get to the second lamentation. 
But I, I think that, uh, that what you're seeing here is the disgusting person you're seeing is Jerusalem. When you think of a lover, you don't think of anything that's really committed. There isn't no real commitment of that kind of thing. And apparently there was a lot of glory documents about Jerusalem. And so they were they were able to attract several lovers, but Jerusalem is no longer a stockhead. No. And what's sad is that there wasn't that commitment that you would think of a husband. These were all lovers. So yeah. She's a prostitute. There was no commitment to anything. Yeah. She's just a prostitute on the street. And, and, and she was beautiful. And yeah. And now she doesn't have that anymore. Now she's. And, and there's no future for her at all. Yeah. He's probably made to pick which way he wants as a, as a human being here in the story or the city itself. Because it's written, uh, I think it is written about Jerusalem itself, but this is the way a woman would be in the city. The city wants to be worshipped, but it wants to be comfortable. And the woman does too. All these things could be applied two different ways, but if it is about the uh, city, the hills, the Zion, uh, it's written in a language that as though it was a worthwhile woman at one time that is now desolate, prostitute, whatever you want to call her. So it's there both ways. But I, I wasn't a, well, it wasn't a uh, question for choice when I said lead it either way. Yes, yeah, and We'll get more into, well, we'll go into that next, actually, as, as, uh, when you look at the, at, at the cry of the woman, which is the city of Jerusalem, but is representing, really, all of, the, the, of Judah. Uh, and what it is, it, it is a personification of, of the city. Um, And I'm thinking of the step forward of the clean uh, and unclean, or unclean to touch something, go outside the city for seven days and come back for yourself to freeze. And you can stand it and ask if you're clean or not. She had no hope. There was no priest to go to, even to keep herself up, it seems like. And I'm, there, there's a picture from Vietnam War. Of a young girl running down the street. Uh, she's been hit by by napalm, if I'm not mistaken. All the clothes burned off are covered with dust and ashes, and just a bewildered woman. Uh, a lot of times, good photographs can capture an amazing amount of information. Christ is for us. So we have that high priest that gives us hope. 
in the New Testament, right? Mm -hmm. uh, it's a very graphic picture of sin and what we all look like when we're separated from Him. Yeah, and there we'll we'll see a little bit. I, I'm, one gets the third lamentation where there actually is a glimmer of hope that gets blown out, uh, <laughs> but there was a, a a light glimmer of hope and praise to God. Uh, it's one of our we use them. You know, it's one that we use a great deal in Christianity. A lot of it, actually, when you get to the third one, which maybe probably was written by Jeremiah, it certainly sounds like his life. But it reminds me of the 53rd chapter of Isaiah, and which is, of course, a picture of Christ. So there is there there is that to be seen in this. So we know that. The city cries out that her sins have brought this on. And she uh, calls out uh, in verse 18, The Lord is righteous, yet I rebelled against his command. Listen, all you people, look on my suffering. My young men and women have gone into exile. Uh, my sins have, uh, over in verse 14, my sins have been bound into a yoke by the hands, they were woven together, by his hands, they were woven together, and they've been hung on my neck, and the Lord has sapped my strength. Uh, this, uh, the, the confession of sin. And though it's confessed, there's so much anger. There is so much anger in Jerusalem, in the, in the personage of Jerusalem, that I just don't see her getting down on her knees yet. I think she's forced down on her knees by the desolation, by, the, by everything that's happened. But I don't see a repentance yet. I could, there may be some hidden in here that I missed, but I, I don't necessarily see it. So far, there's no hope. What's that? So far, there's no hope. And there's no hope. That, that's completely missing. Um, and the anger. What do you do when you're hopeless? You look for something. You look for something. What did they? What did Jerusalem look forward to? Being rebuilt? No. Matter of fact, in none of the maybe near the end of one, there's a, another glimmer of hope uh, of rebuilding. Um, but we'll, we'll get there. We got. You got 15 minutes, we'll get there. Uh, <laughs> yeah, there's, a, there's a little bit, a little bit uh, not too flattering in the last two verses. Um, <laughs> all right, this is happening to me now, Lord. Just do this to my enemies. Them. Yeah, get them. 
That's and and that's why I say this: the angerness is so, the anger of this is just so strong. It's not, oh Lord, I sinned. Yes, it's Lord, I've sinned. You brought it on your. You're righteous. Yes. And what's really hard when you read Jeremiah, God, get there. Yeah. Like how unfair. You raise up this nation and you use them to carry out your will, and then you destroy them for their evil. It's, like, it's fascinating. And, and uh, uh, I, I, we'll, I'll try to get to some of that in Jeremiah 25, when Jeremiah is told to take the cup of God's wrath and take it to all the other nations around her. Jerusalem's not going to be the only place. You're also waiting for God's wrath, and it's coming very quickly. We, we had an example of the You know what happened to them? Assyria put them away, and did any of those people come back? No. So I would say people coming back from that at this time. Yeah. And they certainly, they, they know that uh, Jeremiah told them it's 70 years. And you're, and that's what the sentence is. What the sentence is going to be 70 years in exile. But 70 years is a long time. But they didn't believe anything else. Yeah, well, remember what Jeremiah told them. What he said in 70 years was that um, they keep asking, well, we're going to, our prophets are saying, we're going to, we're going to be coming right back. Babylon's going to be, uh, going to be taken out of the picture, and we're going to kind of be coming right back. And uh, one of my after was, build a house, find wives for your children, plant a garden, you're going to be there for a while. And there for three generations. But the hope is that it seems it's the backdrop of the garden. Yeah. Yes. That scene is in the dark background. Like the diamond <coughs> on black floor. There you see the small diamond. And so that's what makes that little portion in chapter 3 so incredible because this is so off-roadable. Yeah. So it, there, there's a few other couple of other things. Um, the city cries out to God a number of times. In verse nine, uh, after portraying Jerusalem as a prostitute on the street, sort of dazed, muddied, uh, filthy, uh, then. Look, Lord, on my affliction, for the enemy is triumphed. Verse 11 cries out again, Look, Lord, and consider, for I am despised. In verse 20, See, Lord, how distressed I am. In my, I'm in torment within. So the city continues to cry out like this. But the important thing, I think, to end, or as we get down towards the end, is that I don't think she's right now. I don't think she's come to 
really in this lament has come and focused that this is due to me it was just on God's part and I need to come before God on, on my knees and ask for forgiveness instead we have a, a, an interesting ending and as Gary had mentioned we get down to uh, we'll start in 21 people have heard my groaning but there is no one to comfort me all my enemies have heard my distress they rejoice at what you've done may you bring the day you have announced so that they may become like me let all their wickedness come before you deal with them as you have dealt with me because of all my sins my groans are many and my heart is faint and the lad in and i'm angry and bitter uh, we have a few minutes and i want to go to jeremiah the 25th chapter starting in the, in the 15th verse just so you can pick you know understand this is what jerusalem wants this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, said to me. Take from my hand this cup filled with the wine of my wrath and, all, and make all the nations to whom I send you drink it. When they drink it, they will stagger and go mad because of the stores I will send among them. So I took the cup from the Lord's hand and made all the nations to whom he sent me drink it. Jerusalem and the towns of Judah its kings and officials to make them a ruin and an abject horror and scorn and a curse as they are today pharaoh the king of egypt his attendants his officials and is all his people and all the foreign people there all the kings of uz all the kings of the philistines those of eshkelon gaza ekron and the people left of ashdod edom Moab, Amnon, all the kings of Tyre and Sidon, the kings of the coastlands across the sea, Dedan, Tema, Buzz, and all those who are in distant places, all the kings of Arabia, and all the kings of the foreign people who live in the wilderness, all the kings of Zimri, Elam, and Media, all the kings of the north, near and far, one after another, all the kingdoms on the face of the earth, and after all of them, the king of Sheshach will drink it too. Then tell them, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel says, drink, get drunk, vomit, and fail to fall, to rise no more because of the sword I will send among you. So, God is going to answer that angry outburst of Jerusalem, but he's already told them he was through Jeremiah and so he has at least that part coming through but that's their only hope the only hope we see here. the hope is yet to come because I think that we find especially in, uh, in the third lamentation that there's something in the future that he points that that's being pointed to.
to that in the next few weeks. Next week, please read number two. And you may need to have some uh, some tissues around as you read it. So we'll see you. Hey, I'm Eddie White, the Senior Minister for the Eastside Church of Christ. Sure want to thank you for joining us today on our podcast. I hope today's message was indeed a blessing to you. I'd like to invite you to browse our website at eastsidesprings.com to get more information or to contact us. And as always, we indeed welcome you to join us for our worship service in Colorado Springs as we seek to live out Jesus' mission of making disciples of all nations.